here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 106.1 FM in Bombela. She's after all of that. There, listen, there are some good news. There are some good news, okay? South Africa still has some wonderful things to share with you. Dr. Jonathan Lowe, I really am really happy to talk to him because he's the CEO of the South African National Blood Services. Two things to celebrate. Number one is that you've recovered from COVID, Dr. Lowe. Thank you so much for making the time to talk to us. Good afternoon. Yes, and uh, thank you for listening to me. So certainly I'm I'm very relieved, as is my family, to have recovered from this nasty disease. And and there's another thing that we're celebrating from all of that. I mean, there's a silver lining. You obviously had an epiphany to do something with the fact that you were a patient and are starting a really innovative, I'd say, way of dealing with the with this pandemic. And you are using plasma technology to do what? So what happens is that um, if a patient has had um, has had COVID-19 or any other such infectious disease and then made a full recovery and doesn't have symptoms for at least 28 days. Yes. Typically what you find is that their plasma, now plasma is this sort of rich, goldy sort of fluid that your red blood cells float around in in your veins and arteries. Okay. And it's full of all the white blood cells, the, the antibodies, it's full of vitamins and proteins and all sorts of things um, that make your blood so so rich and able to carry these little red blood cells that transport oxygen around. So if you've recovered from COVID-19, um, as if you'd recovered from, let's say, Ebola or mm. SARS or one of the previous big influenzas, mm-hmm. you, you should have a plasma that is rich in antibodies that can be used to save other people's lives. Hmm. And this is what is known as passive immunity. So it's not like an immunization or an antibiotic or something like that. Ah. It's... it's uh, it would buy somebody time. It would buy somebody who doesn't have those rich antibodies time to be able to develop their own to try and fight the virus. So we're doing two trials. The first trial is we're collecting um, this this uh, rich plasma from individuals that have recovered from the disease. You were the first the... one, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. So unfortunately, I don't know what it is in my life, but <laughs> I, I seem to be an early adopter of things. So uh, whether it's <laughs> whether it's putting drones in the sky or uh, or getting COVID nineteen, uh, yeah, I drew the unlucky card. <laughs> so so let's just talk through it. Um, as people who work with blood, what would that mean? It would mean flushing your body of this plasma, taking that sample and transferring it to somebody like me who hasn't been infected yet. Yeah, so what, what would happen is um, obviously there's, there's far less donors or potential donors yes. than there are recipients at mm. the moment, i.e. people who, who mm. kind of need it. So in the clinical trial, what we're trying to do is to, is to prove that it actually works in sick people. So what happens is okay. for me as a, as a donor, I would get attached to a machine. I'd have a, a, a big needle put into my arm and my blood would flow into a sort of Imagine it like a washing machine. Yes, yes. And the washing machine would wash out the plasma and it would return the red blood cells that carry the oxygen back to me. And it would supplement me with some clear fluid that isn't plasma, but nevertheless can still carry my red blood cells. And you can replace this plasma in in a matter of literally hours and days. It's not like the red blood cells that can take a few weeks or months to replenish. So you can donate, you can donate very often. Um, 
So, yeah, I will be donating again and so this week. We yeah. then take the plasma that we've just removed from you. In the, in the event of you're saying we've now chosen to do the trials that you're busy with now are for sick people. At which stage would you be then giving this plasma to sick people? At which stage of the illness? Yeah, so we, we would target people that are obviously in need. So those that have an immunocompromised ah. system, so they don't have they don't have good antibodies okay. or they've got pre existing disease, they might have cardiovascular disease or suffer from chronic asthma or emphysema or something like that. So they're at high risk yes. of getting really, really sick from the disease. So we're not gonna give this to a, a fit young seventeen year old. Oh, okay. Um we're gonna give this to, to somebody uh, independent of race, color, creed, socioeconomic status or anything else, but somebody who is in need and who is at risk of getting really ill. And we'd like to give it in the early stages of disease, so mm. when they're first present to, to hospital, to try and buy them that window of opportunity to fight the disease more effectively than they would with their own antibodies. Dr. Lo, I've got more questions, and uh, there are other people who want to ask you some questions. If you don't mind, can we just keep you for a little bit longer, and then we'll take those calls on 891 207 It's 2.30 now. Let's quickly go to Utila Saku for the latest in headlines. Conversations that you connect with and react to. SAFM. Thank you so much for staying with us. Before we went to the headlines, I was in conversation with Dr. Jonathan Lowe, CEO of South African National Blood Service. They are busy with some clinical trials using plasma technology to try and assist us with dealing with this COVID-19 as a pandemic. And so everybody is trying to do their bit to try and get a solution. And the first donor was Dr. Jonathan Lowe himself, who was um, positive, uh, COVID-19 positive, and uh, is recovered now and used himself as the first guinea pig to get this plasma to try and assist. So as I said before we went to the headlines doc that when we discuss the the your your assistance using this plasma for people who are ill and you're saying we we are trying to get it to them as early on in the disease as possible. We've got a couple of challenges, don't we, in the sense that we now know that uh, even the president has said this, that we have a shortage of testing kits, which then means that people are sort of getting into the system quite late in their illness. Isn't that a big problem? This is, uh, look, having having had this disease, it's, it, it, it manifests in so many different ways. And uh, in, in my personal experience, because I'm, I'm quite a bad asthmatic. It it hit me quite hard. So part of the challenge is that you might develop flu-like illness, uh, a flu-like illness, test positive for COVID, and then only a week or two later start Mm. getting the respiratory effects. Mm. So often when people present, there is still that window of opportunity where one has a little bit of time before they're needing convalescent plasma or the like. Okay. so, yeah, hopefully okay. hopefully with better diagnosis and treatment, we will get better. Is there a downside to this? To, to treating with plasma? Yes. So at the moment, as we said, it's, a, it, it's experimental. Mm. So this has been used very effectively in Ebola mm-hmm. in West Africa. It's been used in SARS-CoV-2 and, and in MERS, which were the two other respiratory illnesses. But we don't know how it works with this specific coronavirus. Mm. So the downside is that there might not be any effect at all. Um, There were some early studies done in the United States, but with very limited uh, numbers of patients, with only 12, I think it was, and about 60% of them showed a a positive response um, to the plasma. 
there weren't any um, untoward, let's call it, side effects or, or the like. Mm. But obviously with any blood transfusion or any transfusion like this, there's always transfusion-related mm. risks. Mm. And we will do everything we can to try and minimize those. So that's why we screen the donors very mm. carefully, as we would do for a blood transfusion. So you must be fit and well, more than 55 kilos. Um, you must be over 18. Uh. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. a whole lot of uh, yeah, yeah. criteria. The, the, yeah. the, the normal criteria that we know is quite stringent that you guys have. That's that's quite a responsibility. Okay, let me just take the calls and there's some people have some questions for you, Doc. Errol, you're calling from Durban. Good afternoon. Yes, we can. Loud and clear. Go ahead with your question. Good. I think they started this trial in England about three weeks ago. Blood from people who've recovered, injecting them into people suffering from the virus. I don't know how that went. And my second question is, uh, wouldn't it, uh, the person that you're taking the blood from, wouldn't it weaken their immune system? Um, you know what I mean? Yes, I get. I, I hear what you're saying, Do- Dr. Lowe. Yes. So I don't know. I think you've probably an- answered the first one in the sense that it's very simple to replace plasma back into a person's system. Um, yes. But his question is, I think more directly, is will it not Im- weaken their immune system? So the the good news about these uh, antibodies and things that we carry around in our circulation is that they're stored in all sorts of organs as well, kidneys, spleen, liver, etc. So, and we continue to produce um, these antibodies once once we've identified and beaten the virus, whether it's a common cold, the influenza virus, or whatever it is. We we carry an inherent memory in our bodies that gives us the ability to very quickly recognise that virus when it comes along again and and produce uh, these antibodies to fight it. So no, by, don- by donating my antibodies, I'm not making myself weaker at all. I will just simply produce more. Um, his first question regarding the other trials. So a lot of the blood services, along with ourselves, the leading blood services in the world being uh, South Africa, um, the UK is right up there as well, have uh, been collaborating on the methodology around these trials. So the UK has also just started their uh, convalescent plasma trial. They don't have any definitive results as yet. It's going to take at least two to three months uh, to get some results out of these trials. Is is it because of the sample size? How how are we doing with our sample size here? So it's been pretty difficult to be honest. We've we've had a lot of people come forward, but you know I don't think folk always read the the, the criteria yes. uh, correctly. Yes. So we've had a lot of people who haven't had. COVID-19 oh. <laughs> come forward to donate <laughs> and said thank you so much but um, <laughs> you don't so quite you, you qualify have to, you have to have had it and you need to have recovered and then not every single individual that has COVID-19 necessarily makes enough antibodies mm-hmm. and we don't necessarily understand all the reasoning around that mm-hmm. um, different people got different immune systems mm-hmm. um, so some of the donors we've had, unfortunately, have had a very weak response in terms of antibodies. Okay. Um, luckily, I had enough, so I'm going to continue donating. So we but, still have a very yeah. low sample size. There. We do, we yeah, do. Okay. And that's why we really need those to come forward. All right. there's, also, there's also a stigma attached to this thing. Yes. You know, people don't want to be known to have had it. Mm. You know, there's all sorts of accusations and Lord knows yeah. what goes on with it. So, yeah, yeah. We, we promise that there will be confidentiality for our, okay. not like me, I've gone out there to try and raise awareness and get people to say it's okay. Mm. Um, but it's going to be the same learning curve as HIV AIDS was. Yeah, I understand yeah, that. Mike, quickly for me, you're calling from Lichtenberg. Good afternoon. Oh, good afternoon to you, Pamela. Good afternoon to, to Dr. Lowe. Good afternoon. Uh, uh, Dr. Lowe, thanks God I'm able to come in. Once and for all, can you just tell us 
uh, how are they able to pinpoint uh, at once directly that this thing is a coronavirus? Because now at some stages you hear that it has got a flu-like symptom and sometimes it is something symptomatic. And then uh, now if it is asymptomatic, yeah, symptomatic, mm-hmm. how are they able to pinpoint that this thing indeed it is coronavirus? Because they say it's like flu, mm-hmm. and then for you to say that person is positive mm-hmm. with coronavirus, how do they pinpoint that? Because now, any other, on the other hand, there's flu. And uh, lastly, the masks. This thing, the way it's spread, they say it's within the distance of one and a half meters or two meters. Mm-hmm. Now, why should we? When we move on the street, we walk about in the street, have the masks that are choking us all the time. Why should we? Okay, Mike. Thank you. All right, Doc. So let's, I think he's talking to the controversy around the testing kits and efficiency and efficacy of different types of testing kits. Do you want to speak to that at all? Yes. In in South Africa, the, the testing kits and their regulations are very carefully controlled and monitored by the uh, by the NICD, the National Institute for Communicable Diseases, in collaboration with NHLS, which is the National Health Laboratory Services, and all of the other private healthcare providers like Lancet and Manfas and everyone else. So there's certain very key regulatory standards. So we do know that the test we use, which is a PCR test that stands for uh, polymerase chain reaction test, is um, effective in that it does um, very clearly show that you've had or you are infected with coronavirus. Where some of the controversy lies is that you may still test positive after you've recovered because you're shedding dead virus. Your body's beaten the virus, but it still gets picked up in the PCR. Mm-hmm. Um, it wouldn't, however, grow on a, on a viral culture. Okay. The, the whole point about masks, I think, is, is controversial, and people are saying, look, they feel suffocated. But if you think about it, a cardiac surgeon that wears this mask for 16 hours mm. while they're doing a heart transplant doesn't suffocate and die. Mm. So we do know that they certainly do make you feel uncomfortable, but it's very important socially to show that we're serious about this disease by wearing masks, by washing hands, by social distancing. And if we do those things, then hopefully we will overcome it and the epidemic will be a lot less dangerous than it would be if completely left. So these, these are important measures. Yeah. We fully endorse what government is saying. Absolutely. Let's talk to the controversy that you may not want to talk about, the type of masks. So now we're all in the business of producing masks. It's a good thing. We're all in business. But, you know, the are some masks better than others? So if you're a frontline healthcare worker, then you have to use a certain type of PPE, protective protective gear. And those would be patients, sorry, those would be doctors, nurses, healthcare workers that are working in hospital and they know that they're getting confronted with, uh, with patients that might well be COVID-19. So there, the recommendation is that you wear protective clothing, you wear not just a mask, but you wear a visor as well. For the rest of us that are hopefully social distancing and are hopefully interacting with well people, because if you're unwell, you should be staying at home and uh, you should be getting well as, as soon as possible. The risk is exponentially low of, uh, of contracting this disease versus a frontline healthcare worker. So there, I think a cloth mask or any other kind of uh, protective gear that just, I guess, 
helps us cough into our own mask and not share the disease if we were asymptomatic, I think is, is helpful. So the social distancing, I think, is the most important thing. Dr. Lowe, it's fantastic news. I know that we've got a long way to go, but we are thrilled at what you're doing. Thank you for coming on to the show. No, thank you so much for giving us the time. Thank you, Dr. Jonathan you. Lowe, who's the CEO of South African National Blood Services. We're on to something. Listen, it's not all gloom, hey? We're on to something. A little bit of patience. People are working behind the scenes. And this, for me, is really, really encouraging that uh, we are testing. We're trying to get something, some results. Who knows? We may be at the top. We may be the very first people to come up with a solution. Who knows?